Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm just looking at the menu du jour. Let me tell you what it is. Patrick is going to be joining me in just a second. I got a special surprise with Patrick today. And David Miles is coming in for the Monday afternoon mix. We're going to be talking about a passage out of Revelation. That's going to be good. And then hour two, Dr. Bob Moeller is joining me for the full hour. And we're going to talk about uh, gender. So that's going to be the plan for the day. I'm so glad you're with me. It is that uh, day between Sunday and Tuesday. For many of you, you don't like it. I happen to love it. It is uh, Monday, and I think it's a great way to start the week. It's nice to be back. Patrick, welcome to the show. The the show du jour. The show du jour, yes. I had. Yeah, uh, did you ever find that uh, du jour, you know, that's French, is it not? It is French. Of the, of, of the day. How come they never used the French word for soup? Like, did we just get lazy? It's like, soup. <laughs> now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to speak French. Now <laughs> here comes the soup, the French part. Instead exactly. of les potages du jour. You're right. Exactly. I it's like just, that. Somebody gave up on their French, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I so I did a little bit of housework over uh, the weekend. Not that, not that you're interested, but I, I put away some of my summer things. Okay. So I put away my iced tea pitcher. You know, that one that has a half inch of tea residue on the inside. That's never coming out. Yes. Uh, well, you know, at least you got the tea bags off mine because <laughs> I have one of those where you put it in the sun, you know, you stick the tea bags yeah. in, the, in the thing of the water and you just go, look at, look at me living off the land, right? <laughs> <laughs> look at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. If the grid, if the grid goes down, I'm prepared because I can make iced tea in the sun until you forget that it's out there. Yeah. And, uh, Oh my! You put that away. I did. Well, you know, it'll be good next year. Oh yeah, well yeah. That's just freeze dried, <laughs> freeze dried tea is all that is. And the flavor will be sealed in all winter, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be good. Highly caffeinated. Yeah, I did yes. try to scrub it out, but that tea residue is going nowhere. Sorry, I no. tried everything. So anyway, like a merry heart is like good medicine. I love to start the week on a lighter note, but this day uh, is kind of interesting for you and for me because yesterday was my birthday and I not my chronological birthday it was my spiritual birthday the day I became born again and today is your spiritual birthday the day you were born again years apart from each other years apart yeah, yeah. years yeah, apart yeah. but I remember you're much older I, you're much older <laughs> I remember sitting in my car on the 25th and I was telling you that that was the day I had made a decision uh, to follow Jesus and I'd been talking to you, and we had lots of conversations, and I was mm-hmm. sitting in the car with you. You were about to go into your hotel in Minneapolis, and we sat there for about an hour, and it, it was like, well, gee, Patrick, if, if you're feeling like you're just at that moment of decision, you know, now would be a great time to give your life to Christ. And you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you said, well, thanks for the ride, and you went in your hotel, and you called yeah. me the next day and said, I called my pastor, and I met with him and I did it. Yep. Ow! I loved hearing that. It was in. It was in a in a car in a parking lot. Come to think of it. 
Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it was because uh, I believe was that even I think come to think of it was a Sunday, wasn't it? Because I I I, I, I had gone down, and you know I hadn't even officially chosen a church yet. This just happened to be a church I found, mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked the pastor. And uh, he, you know, I think when you get the same conversation two days in a row, it's 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 kind of a, a little bit of a knock on the door. And he, he, you know, he he asked me very similar questions. He said, "I, I, so why aren't you? You you know, you you you've been listening to the message. You agree with it. You you find that it's it's going to be the thing that you feel like's been what's been missing in your life." Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. Why aren't Why aren't you just you know? And it's it's so funny why that's difficult at that last minute. And I'm sure you've had that experience with many many people. And it's a relief when they say because you as time goes by you say, what was my sticking point? Mm-hmm. I don't. I I don't know if I could tell you honestly what my sticking point was. I I think you know the some of the fears you have when you're accepting Christ. Is you know what's what, what am I going to be asked to do? Mm-hmm. Oh no! Oh no! What am I going to be? Am I going to am I going to lose friends over this? And mm-hmm. that that's a biggie. Sure. Um, you know, uh, is it is it good? It, I mean, for obviously for the for me, it was the best decision ever. And you realize that all of those changes, and, and you had told me this too. You said, you know, don't worry about that. You know, whatever's going to happen, it'll be the Holy Spirit at work in you, and it'll be coming for you. It'll feel natural. You're not going to be forced into anything. Mm-hmm. You'll say, "Oh my, mm-hmm. this is here's here's the direction I want to go. My eyes have been opened, but you have to open them." Yeah. Now you were I mean, living in California yeah. at the time, and I know that there was some association that you had experienced with people who were professing Christians that were a little bit shunned because the entertainment world that you were living in was not super friendly to people who were professed Christians. Yeah, I mean, at least, so we're going back, what, 19 years now, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 19. And uh, it was a little bit friendlier then. I think it's, I think it's taken a turn for the worse now. But um, no, not not friendly at all. And, you know, so they, there were people that would... Uh, I had a few friends, as you and I ended up having, turns out, mutual friends. Uh, one, a, a, a wonderful man, uh, who uh, certainly he wore his Christianity not just on his sleeve; he wore it on his forehead, on his shoelaces. It was everywhere. It, it came out uh, of every pore of him. Mm-hmm. And he would perform at this uh, magic club, which you take a bunch of theatrical type people, you give them the skeptical magician sort of outlook on life because magicians just tend to be skeptical. They think everything's a trick. Because it is. But they're the ones that say, they're going, I could probably do the loaves and fishes things if I could just figure out the secret move. Right, <laughs> right. You know, what's the work the on that? Move. Yeah, right. What's the work on that? Yeah. Uh, but he was fearless in that he would go in there and not only would he do his magic act, he would deliver a message for Christ every performance, and it was always standing room only, and people would sometimes say, they go, look, he's an amazing magician. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, brace yourself because he's going to, you know, he's going to talk about Jesus in there, but you have to watch the magic. Mm-hmm. And I think back now, 
how brilliant it was because he was given this gift and he used it, I believe, exactly as God wanted him to. He was just a, a forever messenger. I know. Now I feel but like I remember. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just remember seeing him. I said, well, I don't want to be like that. I don't think I'm like that. And that was one of my fears. Yeah, sure. Because I would hear the other people mock him. I said, I don't want to be mocked like that. Now I look at it and I say, you know what? You can mock him all, all you want. I admire him. Mm-hmm. And I realize uh, that uh, there was nothing to fear in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I know we're bragging about a mutual friend of ours, uh, but he has always walked the walk. And at one point, he won the biggest title that could ever be won in the magic community. And that's an international competition. He was basically voted world's best magician. Um, and, yeah, and and I think in addition it was they had never I don't know if they've ever awarded they haven't. until then they haven't they they had never given it to a close up magician right doing table magic they they always saved it for the guy doing the big stuff on the stage that you know made elephants dance and, right you know all that other right that's a great trick by the way if you can teach me the work on that one I'd, I'd well, love I'm not doing that rendition. I got to keep something for my own act um, but yeah. then in the last uh, several years his uh, dear wife that he is absolutely in love with and devoted to was killed in a car accident. Yeah. Just in an instant, in an instant gone, right, right. Right after it's the, the last his child, I think had just left the house. They had just become empty nesters. Yeah. And just about to embark on that uh, journey of life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and he, the, the, the way he handled it. Oh, amazing. Said, nothing but admiration yeah. for that man. Yeah. I reached out to him and I, I just said, I'm just, I'm just calling to cry with you on the phone. He says, thank you, but God has this. God has a purpose in all this, and my heart's broken, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to give him glory in all circumstances, um, mm. despite the pain. Yeah. But to think, you know, 19, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, I was afraid to be like that. Now I look at that and say, if only I could be like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break, Patrick. When we come back, I want you to take us on a little bit of a journey of your spiritual um, uh, route that you took. I know that there was a time that you were kind of heavily interested in New Age stuff. And for a guy in California being surrounded by, you know, people telling you what itching ears want to hear was attractive to you at the time. And I want to hear... Uh, about that. And then I also want to hear uh, more about uh, that beautiful day, which is today celebrated. I'll be right back after a short break with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Patrick J. Albanese. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. 
and my head. I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to the show. Patrick Albanese is my guest that I love starting my Mondays with. He is uh, a performer and a uh, friend for many, many years. And today is his spiritual birthday. He, 19 years ago, gave his life to Christ. So it's really fun because... Uh, my spiritual birthday is the 25th, so he almost came to faith the same day I did. I was hoping we'd have the same spiritual birthday, but we didn't, but we came close. So It makes Pat- it easier to remember when you have to exchange gifts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I didn't get a gift from you yesterday, so you could have sent me something, but... Well, I guess you know I often like to wait to see what it is you're getting for me so that I can respond in kind. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. All right, Patrick, tell people about your journey. I mean, I knew you grew up in a family of eight, and you yes. uh, grew up Catholic, and, and I think you loved that experience. And then you got to California, and you started poking around New Age. Yeah, so, yeah, eight children. And um, uh, a lot of people don't know. Uh, that, um, you know, I grew up in the suburb of Chicago, but what a lot of people don't know, you know, they all, whenever back then you'd say you were from a family of eight children, they'd say, you must be Catholic, uh, because that seemed to be the trend at the time. And what most people don't know is after the fifth child, they make you uh, become Catholic. You just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you, you have to have an excuse to say to people, why do you have so many kids? Well, Catholic, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we had neighbors with seven, six over here, 14 down the street. Wow. It, was, it was, it was pretty common. Uh, yeah. you know, you, if we, if we had a little block party, there'd be about 300 people there. And that was just a cul-de-sac. It was really... <laughs> yeah. Rosie, how many were in your family? Because you're a big Catholic family. Yep. I'm one of 10. One of 10. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty common. And, uh, you know, we, we, my, my father did the, uh, so the speaking at the church where he would read the gospel readings and things like that. And so, he, of course, he'd like to see the, the Albanese kids you know, occupy a row. We had to get there early on the days he was, I don't know what he wanted us to hear, <laughs> but it's a, you, you kids sit there, you look nice and you, and, uh, uh chronological order and by height, mm-hmm. you just, you work it out. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's, we went to the, I went to the Catholic grade school and I, you know, I, I went through, I was 13 when my father died and a a lot of my siblings and I went through a similar thing where we really lost a lot of our faith because, uh, the pain Mm -hmm. and you, 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 you didn't really, you said, well, uh, okay, why would this happen to us? You know, I'm just a kid right now. And so, uh, uh, you know, and, and I had a very rough year, the area six months after my dad died, my grandfather died, his dad. And then six months later, almost to the day, my mom's dad died. So I, I just, I, 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 I started to meander a bit and in my early twenties, um, I, I was walking down a street in Lake Worth, Florida, and I saw a, a new age bookstore walked on in and I said, well, look at the, these books are really interesting. They're kind of like Norman Vincent Peale, positive mental attitude, but under the, the guise of some sort of faith. And Mm -hmm. my mom was always kind of saying, you know, you need to get back to church, you need to get back to church. Took that with me when I moved to Florida and I mean, when I moved to California in 87 and a world was opened up because it is everywhere there. And the book stars are majestic. You know, they have the, the world famous Bodhi tree where people say I was, you know, in the, in, in an aisle and a book jumped off the shelf at me. Wow. Uh, and I had that experience. Who's on the other side now, pushing it? 
that's what it was. It was, you know, somebody on the other side was returning a book to the shelf. <laughs> just, exactly I'm, I'm sorry. I jumped on your punchline there. No, 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 no. But it, the experience actually did happen to me. And of course I'm, I was a skeptic. I said, Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, this is rigged. These guys have a system here. And I walk around and well, there's somebody on the other side and the bookshelves were back to back. So, but it was, I just couldn't get enough. I had box, when I was moving, when I eventually moved to Des Moines, I said, I have to do something with these books. I had, I don't know, four boxes worth of new age books. And I brought them to the used bookstore. And as expected, they weren't worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, the thing that spoke to me about it is I, I, you know, at the time I was able to say to my mother, well, look, mom, I'm going to a church. I'm going to a church and I, I have religion. So, you know, you can just, you know, calm it down just a little bit there. Don't you worry about your son. He's mm -hmm. going to be okay. But also the appeal of it was magical because there was no cost for anything, no price for anything. God wanted you to have everything. He wanted you to be a billionaire. He mm -hmm. wanted you to it, it was a it, it had a, the the prosperity gospel. you know it was amazing to go to a service and then people would you know hoist up their prayers and everybody just wanted more stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just praying yeah stuff I, stuff 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 yeah stuff. I also noticed that a lot of new age never contradicts your will. No, 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 no. It's in, in fact, you know, my will be done. Yeah. That's it, part it, of the problem of that. I believe it is a huge part of the problem and it, in it, but it, how does that not feel good? How, how does it not feel good? You know, as a friend of mine says, you'll, you'll never ever go broke telling people what they want to hear. And the new age movement, at least for me, when I, when I finally started to open my eyes to it, is they're just telling me what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, Oh, I'm, you know, if you, whatever it is you want or whatever it is that you did wrong, you did nothing wrong. You know, there, sometimes things were tidied up just a little bit too neatly with that blue ribbon, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, if you did something uh, uh, to somebody, treated them poorly, you know, it might just be that you had an arrangement in a previous lifetime that, that was always convenient, the previous lifetime gambit. You sure, know? <laughs> sure. Just blame it on, you know, it's, oh, you had an arrangement and you were just fulfilling your end of the bargain. Don't you worry about a thing you did nothing wrong. Mm. And, and uh, how is that not appealing? Yeah. And then didn't you have a friend drag you to like a near-death experience conference? And then you had another yeah. weird experience. That one was, uh, so uh, we go to the... Uh, International Association of Near-Death Studies, I-A-N-D-S. I think it's probably still a thing. And then people would just say, well, you know, I was, I, I died. I was dead for a couple of minutes and you know, they all had the same. It's amazing. They all floated and they did the tunnel thing. You know, they all did the tunnel. Uh, but now they, for some reason, had the ability to see other spirits in the room. And it really spooked me uh, because I thought, I don't know if that's the the direction I want to go. But that ended up leading to, you know, as they're giving advice from these spirits they see in this room, the next thing you know, uh, the, the woman I went there with said, well, why don't we go see a channeler? Ooh, boy. And uh, boy, oh boy, was that an experience. You know, here's a 35,000-year-old spirit, and I'll just, uh, here, somebody's sitting on the stage, and the spirit's going to take over here in just a second. <laughs> just a second. <laughs> as soon as I get into a trance, and that spirit is going to dispense advice 
Um, and uh, some of that advice will be leading to my leading you to my merchandise table in the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of predictable, I, isn't it? It's kind of predictable, but uh, people would I would see them with that look on their face, like, "Wow, that's this is amazing." I said, "Well, we, we what do we know about this thirty-five thousand year old guy?" I mean, the, the historical records don't go back that far. He might not have been a very nice guy. <laughs> Just because he's showing up now doesn't mean he's, his advice is good, Yeah. Uh, usable. And, uh, you know, uh, I went to a, a very famous magician died. And for some, I had showed him one good night at the Magic Castle, took care of him. And uh, I get a note that he wanted me at his funeral. And he was heavily into meditation. And so half the room is the skeptic magicians and half the room is the new agers. And when the new age guy gets up and says, I've just spoken with him mm -hmm. and it's all good. Okay. Um, you know, I, half of the room has got a scowl on their face and the other half is in wonder. And oh, yeah. I thought, I, I'm, I'm having a clash of civilizations here. Uh, these things can't all be right and true. Uh, and of course, then you find the thing that's a couple thousand years old that has always been true. And you say, oh, the thing I was avoiding, there it is. Yeah. But you finally, after hearing the gospel and, and having it presented to you, you looked at the evidence yourself and you came to this beautiful conclusion that it was Jesus that you wanted to place your faith in. And you did that 19 years ago today. So happy birthday. Yeah. And thank you. I mean, you're the one that, you know, starting on the journey and, and, and for those listening, uh, we just, it started with me asking questions, uh, only because I saw how Bill and, and people he was working with lived. And then I find out that they were Christians and I say, well, there might be something to this. I don't know, but, um, I, I, I see something there. I don't know what I was, I was just drawn to. There was something about all of these relationships. And so I started it by saying, but what's the deal? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you were always there. It's amazing. I think back now that uh, you were so patient with me because I'm sure at times I must have come across as uh, like, oh, come on. Am I supposed to believe and you were always very, very uh, assuring and, uh, and and very calming. And everything you said was going to happen did happen, mm -hmm. which is which is really great, especially the part about the Holy Spirit kind of getting into my head and clearing out some of those cobwebs that said, you see where you've been confused? Mm -hmm. Are things starting to make sense now? And, and then you start to gather, you, you talked about you see the evidence. You know, so much more evidence has come across in the 19 years that I don't know if I would have been privy to if I had not said yes that first yeah, day. Yeah, I, I don't think you would. The gospel would have been foolishness to you, as it talks about, Paul talks about in, in Corinthians, that unless you are part of God's family, the gospel is foolishness. So all of this that you've learned over the last mm -hmm. 19 years has been a result of that decision to place your faith in Christ. So uh, for that, I'm forever grateful because we get to spend eternity together. Which would be great. Yeah. yeah. Although uh, I found out that, uh, you know, there are some things that have to be settled. Uh, you are going to have to return those participation trophies. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will do that. Patrick, thanks for joining me today yeah. and have a happy born again birthday. Thank you. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a short break. He'll be right back with the Monday afternoon mix.
You know, I gotta be honest, I love show theme songs because if you're listening and you're familiar with Tuesdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and you hear a theme song, you go, that's uh, time for the Monday afternoon mix, ladies and gentlemen. It is. And, and here it is. Mix, mix, mix. It is. Yes. You know, and um, one really cool thing about like music, I hear that saxophone and it reminds me of my daughter Taylor who plays sax and... Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very jazzy, dude. It's very jazzy. Yeah, so it's good. It yeah. is now time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles is in studio, as is Rosie B. And David Miles is uh, not only a, a professor, he's also a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And Lots an adjunct- of hope. What, pardon? Lots of hope. Lots of hope. <laughs> and also an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. So... I'm always loving what we do in the Monday Afternoon Mix, Uh, and today we're going to talk about Heaven's Dress Rehearsal, and that's a vision of connected worship community. It is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a a beautiful picture, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure, Bill, if if you have Revelation 7 to 9, I'll I'll start us off, and, uh, you know, we're going to be in the book of Revelation and it's an incredible book. I mean, like it's written to this community uh, that's, you know, experiencing persecution. Um, John, the the author of it, opens up in Revelation 1-9 and he says, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus was on an island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so what you're seeing here is that Things weren't exactly the greatest of times. They were not. You know, so John's not just like, hey, I'm chilling out because all is good. So for brothers and sisters, like as we're living in these tumultuous times, the gospel very much applies to where we live. God knows your address this morning. And so when he writes to them, uh, chapter seven actually comes after the sixth seal has been opened and there's chaos happening on the earth. Christians are being martyred and there's this interlude. But one of the primary themes of Revelation is the sovereignty of God, that God is transcendent over his word. He's sovereignly in charge and triumphant over all the forces of evil. And I think that's important, guys, that we hear this because, you know, people can feel lots of angst and they can feel like, you know, what's going to be the new drama today and what's going to be, you know, the various um, problems that are happening in the world but God has not vacated his throne, and uh, and he's not moved. And therefore, because he is not shaken, we also need not be shaken. And so you see in this book of Revelation the fulfillment of the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, which we covered in Matthew chapter 6 in Sermon on the Mount, where it says, May your name be made sacred, or your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is kind of what's happening, you know, with this book that brings us to uh, verse 9 of chapter 7. And I can read it. You go ahead and pick it out. How many verses do you want? Um, Go ahead and read the first uh, 9 to 12. 9 to 12. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 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 So good. You know, um, one of the things is looking at who are those who are worshiping. And the first thing that we see here, guys, is that there's this great multitude. Literally, there's too many of them to count. And one of the important things of understanding this is that this was the promise that God fulfilled. Okay, you're in Revelation. Turn all... Can I say it? Yes. To Genesis. Genesis, yes. To Genesis 12, where God makes a promise to Abraham that his seed would be uh, be beyond numbering. Mm-hmm. And so you see this this um, this come to fruition in, in this vision that John sees. And, and here's the reality is, even today as we're listening, I mean, like, does anyone have any idea how many number of believers there's been since the time of Abraham? I can't even imagine how many times has the earth repopulated itself. Yeah. Over 6,000 years, right? Right. And so, you know, I'm thinking of God, just maybe, if God could be faithful to fulfill his promise to Abraham, to a person, over these many thousands of years, to, you know, that one brother or sister who's in one of our sister stations in Omaha, who's driving down I-29 right now and saying, you know, God, can you keep your promises? Well, if you call upon the name of Jesus today, he kept his promise because you're a part of that great multitude that he promised Abraham mm. would be mm. so descendant. So we need to be reminded of that because there's all these things that are saying today, well, you can't trust anybody. No one's trustworthy. But God is trustworthy, and Jesus is faithful uh, in life and death and resurrection. And uh, the beautiful words of John 13, when it says, when he comes to wash the disciples' feet, he says, and loving those, he loved them to the end. Mm-hmm. And we we have a God who's faithful like that. So, so we don't even get very far into Revelation 7, 9, and we're reminded of this, this rich promise of God. And it's not just to the Jewish people, but it's to uh, every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages. Doesn't it? Oh, as you're saying that, David, it just reminds me of often we think of the goodness of God and the promises of God when things are going well, right? But Mm -hmm. John is in prison on an island and all of his other fellow disciples have already been martyred, right? He's the last one. And God is good to his promises by providing the book of Revelation to us in the midst of John's struggle. So is that where we're disconnecting in God's goodness is we have trouble in our life and all of a sudden we start questioning, are you here? Because we have this belief that things have to be going well without tribulation, without sorrows. Right. And without suffering. And here's the reality. We talk about this, that the church actually prospers, thrives and grows in suffering. Crazy. You know, yep. um, I can't remember the person who says, might, might have been C.S. Lewis, who says, you know, God whispers uh, in our in our good times, but shouts with a megaphone in our difficulties. You know, and, and it's been noted that people often will not change until the pain of staying the same 
um, is greater than the pain of changing. You know, and Bill, there's there's a number of wonderful things God's had you do with recovery ministry, and and there's you know wonderful uh, brother that you guys on another program have done, and there have been a number of times where people in pain they're like you know what god i can't do this you know mm. we come to the part of realizing that we can't save ourselves they're at their point of desperation right mm-hmm. you know and so and it's in that that when the going gets tough oftentimes many people leave you but that's when jesus just keeps showing up and saying you know what i never went anywhere you know i am that friend who sticks closer than a brother <laughs> and one of the interviews i had last week was with a guy named Scott Hubbard, and he was talking about how we have to stop thinking that God is anything like us. Like when you talk about um, keeping a promise or being trustworthy, mm-hmm. we have a tendency of, think, of thinking, well, I'm pretty trustworthy, and God must be more trustworthy than me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we have to it's stop true. that thinking. Yeah. You know, I'm a pretty forgiving person, so therefore God must be... A, a little bit more forgiving than I am, right? And we we got to stop that. So, David, when you're talking about the the uh, trustworthiness of God, it, He is without peer. Yeah, and Isaiah brings that up when he says, you know, the Lord tells and says, "Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near, near." Like if you just heard us say that, that's pretty near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man or woman his or her thought. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, for your thoughts are not my for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as high as the heavens are to the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I'm in awe. You know, sometimes <laughs> don't you get struck and just in awe? And I'm in awe of the magnitude of what you're saying, David, and what Scott shared last week and, and just the knitting together about the majesty of God. Right? We can't compare it. We can't touch it. And yet he comes and blesses us with his presence to the degree that we are able to comprehend him. Right? Mm-hmm. And some, and sometimes that's a great deal, and sometimes we can't even take a, you know, a cell full of his greatness and his goodness. And Rosie just teased up the very next segue into did this I? verse. Yes, absolutely. She did that intentionally. <laughs> I, I did it. I'm like sitting there looking at you. I'm telling oh, yeah, you, yeah. Rosie, I this is teamwork. This She's yeah. the bomb. <laughs> but this idea that people from every nation, tribe, language, they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, and in verse 10, Rosie, what you said, the awe of God, and crying out with a loud voice, they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne mm-hmm. and to the Lamb. You know, and it's this vivid present participle. So participles are ongoing action, which is basically saying the present moment is always a great opportunity for us to worship. Mm-hmm. And it actually points to the fact that this goes beyond diversity. I mean, like, this is a beautiful passage, Revelation 7, 9, Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 10, 11, 11, 9, 13, 7, 14, 6, and 17, 15, all speak of the tribes, languages, people, and nations. What it doesn't say is race, because race is a social construct. It's mm-hmm. not a biblical term, mm-hmm. only if you're talking about running. Sure. And even even First Peter 2, 9, when it says, 
that you're a chosen race. Actually, it's, it's a chosen generation. It's the word genos from which we get, you know, Genesis when we're looking at biological things. And so what he's saying is this great group of people, they're sitting there utterly amazed that the God who has saved them and they, they just can't help but sing. Now, this segues into the very next thing that happens because verse 11 says, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped. Now, note, guys, the picture of these great concentric circles. I mean, like, forget mm. Pizza Hut. These guys are really gathering around the real good stuff. And it starts off with this outer ring. You have the, all the angels. Think, okay, this is the beautiful thing about Scripture. We, we sometimes let little things pass because in 511, when this verse talks about it, it says, many angels take up their term to the anthem of praise. Here it is, all the angels. And nearer to the throne, the 24 elders, and still nearer, the four living creatures. And before the throne the white-robed martyrs. Hmm. Okay, this is like humanity, safe people, standing before the throne of God, and the heavenly hosts respond to the great worship of the multitude. So worship begets worship and begets worship. So, so they're saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, and here's what the heavenly hosts do. They literally, to worship, they, they show respect. It literally means to, to throw a kiss at another person. And so with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, you saw that. People want to pay respect and blowing kisses to her. And so, like, why do these people worship? Well, First Peter 1-2 says this, that the angels long to look into the mysteries of salvation. So Revelation 12, 1-4, Lucifer angel of light convinces a third of the angels to rebel against God. But the remaining two-third of unerring, unsinning, standing in worship, they long to look into the mystery of how we got saved. Mm. And here these people are standing before the throne, and they're seeing it come to fruition, and they rejoice in thunderous worship to the God and to the Lamb on the throne. Now, we read that. We don't, we don't really capture this. And so how many of you guys like basketball? Okay. March Madness. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's fun about March Madness is that that last, like, few seconds of the game. And you'll see people, and, you know, they'll get this underdog. The person gets a pass out to the three-point line, and you see them make a shot. And before the shot goes in, everyone is sitting on the edge of their seats. I mean, like, they're just sitting on, and all of a sudden, swoosh, and people go, ah! And this is what's happening here. When they realize to see these clothed martyrs, and the mystery of salvation right in front, because they're right before the throne, in front of the heavenly hosts, of all the angels, of the 24 elders. And they're sitting here like, oh, my goodness. And they say, amen. Now, when we pray, we end with amen, mm-hmm. which means, Lord, so be it. And they say something a little bit. The English doesn't fully give this as the, the original, the ancient language gives, because it starts off with saying, thee. Hmm. Okay, as in this year, the Ohio State University got their name trademarked. Not just Ohio State, because I live there, but the Ohio State. And very quickly, it says, the blessing and praise, the glory, the wisdom, 
the thanksgiving, the honor, the power, the might alone to God. And so this sevenfold literally indicates totality. It, it says completely, it, it's, it's similar to this as we, as we go to our break. Um, the angels are saying that God is all that in a bag of chips. Well, God is all that, a bag of chips, a cart in the crate, the pallet, the truckload, the shipload, the company load of trips, plus the potato farms, and we haven't even started yet. Boom. Boom. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to take a break, but I promise when we come back, I'm certain the three of us will be here. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. Hey, Bill, what does that m- music mean? It means it's the Monday afternoon mix, 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 mix. Look at that yes. teamwork. It is. <laughs> we did good. Go. We rehearsed that. Well, I didn't rehearse it. I talked about it at the break. Let's try to each say a word. Yes. And then I said, Rosie, if you say mix, you got to hit it with the echo. And she did a great job. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Promotion. And, and this yeah. is this beautiful part <laughs> about identification and saying like, you know, this, this is the program. And we've been in this section on Revelation, and it brings us now to the object of worship. Because notice in verse 11 that the great multitude, um, they say, to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so us walking out our faith, living in the gospel today, is that we need to be clear about who, who is our ultimate authority. And we need to remember as people who are redeemed in Christ, we need to remember that Jesus is our authority, that the president, doesn't matter what term it is, isn't God, and the White House is in heaven. God is never, nor will he ever be on the ballot of your school board, of your state, of your homeowners association, of this country, the United Nations, you know, a bank board, nothing. And we have to continue to settle into this because when it comes down to it all, the angels and all of the heavenly host, they say it's God and to the Lamb. And so, you know, people then are are sitting in verse 13, you have the elders around the throne, and one of them looks at John and says, hey, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And John says, sir, you know, he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That's, it's so powerful because there's so many times of tribulation within the context of scripture, right? So is this the tribulation of the great tribulation, you know, mm-hmm. of which we represent? Revelation gives us windows to, or is this the tribulation over the ages? Is this the tribulation way back at the temple? 
This one is talking about the megala, the mega tribulation. So John's like writing about this. There is very much a context, though, to this. You know, um, you see earlier in chapter six, we see that the Christian martyrs were explored. They were exposed to that seal being open and they went through it. But I want to share something that, you know, because sometimes uh, one of the things with faithful exegesis and, and expositing scripture is really looking at the context that the writer was writing in. And so on July 19th, 64 AD, what happened was a fire broke out among the shops lining the Circus Maximus. Now, this was Rome's, like, huge, you know, mammoth chariot stadium. So, like, you know how we have car lots, I guess, you know, back then, you know, they had chariot stadiums. And what happened was is that there was flames that raged for a total of nine days. It started with six. They finally got it under control, but then it, it came back alive and went three days. And when the smoke cleared, 10 of the 14 districts of Rome were in rooms. Now, history, looking back on this, has blamed Emperor Nero for the disaster. And and what they've said is that he started the fire so that he could bypass the Senate and rebuild Rome to his liking. The aristocrat and historian Tacticus, who claimed that Nero, he watched Rome burn while merrily playing his fiddle and had gangs of thugs preventing citizens from fighting the fire, and that there was a purpose for this. Um, The Domus Aurora which would become Nero's majestic series of villas and pavilions set upon landscape parks and a man-made lake, he had those built in the wake of the fire. Now note this. Nero himself was blamed for the fire, but he in turn, he blamed the fire on an obscure new Jewish religious sect called Christians. And he indiscriminately and mercifully crucified them. Now, during gladiator matches, and we this will come back to memory, guys, is that Nero would throw Christians to the lions. But the other thing that I remember learning was uh, he often lit his garden parties with the burning carcasses of Christian human torches. So, like, Nero is having a gathering, and he would impale Christians, cover them with tar, light them on fire— and have them line his garden. And so we, we need to understand that, like, you know, John's having this vision, but everything is not okay in Kansas, Dorothy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, this isn't just, like, you know, not getting along. I mean, like, there's some serious things going on. And the beauty of this, that even as John is writing this on an island, experiencing persecution from Rome being in power, his friends and very dear ones have been killed. And in the midst of this, God says, I'm sovereign and I have the last word. And so we we need to keep coming back to this because in the 20th century, there were more Christians martyred than in any other time before. I'm just taking this in, David. I don't know what to say at this point. I know you've got a few concluding thoughts because we are are already out of time. Well, you know, I would say this. The concluding thoughts would be that if this afternoon you don't know Jesus, please receive him. If you do know Jesus, worship him. If you love Jesus, celebrate him. If you know him, share him. If you obey him, serve him. Because... This is heaven's great dress rehearsal that we're doing. 
And when we gather together as a diverse group, it bears witness to a watching world of the truth of the gospel and the promise made to Abraham and that God is truly faithful and worthy of praise and worship. Okay, that was a brilliant conclusion. It really was. Yeah. And you it, you kind of set him up for it. Well, well I did. And I did. didn't know I was going to get that I, answer. I know. That if was... I knew that answer was coming, <laughs> I would have set him up a couple minutes ago. <laughs> because that that's gold. It is gold. Yeah. And it's it's the truth of, of what we're in today, right? Our hope is mm-hmm. in Christ, not in our institutions, not in our political systems, even in the institution of the church, right? right? Our hope is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, in these verses, I love... Um, where it says the loudness of which they were singing, right? I just love that we have this opportunity to shout our love for Christ. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to be quiet about it. We don't have to be quiet about it. All right. That's all the time we have today for the Monday afternoon. Mix, 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 mix. It's almost as if we practiced. We didn't practice. No. No. It was just, yeah. I mean, I wonder how good we'd be if we did practice. I, I, I don't know. We maybe go national or something. Uh, and yeah. a little too much, too fast. That's, well, that's a little much. Ro- Rosie would go there. I, I think you know we, we might drag her down. But. We would definitely drag her <laughs> down. Oh, down. so not true. All right, so good. If you missed any of this, you're going to want to go to the uh, podcast and go to myfaithradio.com. Call it this Heaven's Dress Rehearsal. We're going to take a break, and I come back with Dr. Bob Moeller. He's going to talk about restoring God's image In an age of gender confusion, that is the topic coming up in the next hour. I hope you can stay with me, and I hope you had a great day so far. I promise lots. Good more is coming just around the corner. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.